Chapter 3, Part 2 of How to Write Short Stories with Examples by Ring Lardner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Bonita Springs, Florida. Chapter 3, Alibi Ike. Section 2, Part 4. You saw Cap's wife, of course. Well, her sister's about twice as good-looking as her, and that's going some. Cap took his missus down to St. Louis the second trip, and the other one come down from St. Joe to visit her. Her name is Dolly, and some doll is right. Well, Cap was going to take the two sisters to a show, and he wanted a bow for Dolly. He left it to her, and she picked Ike. He had hit three on the nose that afternoon, often Sally, too. They fell for each other that first evening. Cap told us how it come off. She began flattering Ike for the star game he had played, and, of course, he began excusing himself for not doing better. So she thought he was modest, and it went strong with her. And she believed everything he said, and that made her solid with him, that and her make-up. They was together every morning and evening for the five days we was there. In the afternoons, Ike played the grandest ball you ever see, hitting and running the bases like a fool and catching everything that stayed in the park. I told Cap, I says, you ought to keep the doll with us and, and he'd make Cobb's figures look sick. But Dolly had to go back to St. Joe and we come home for a long serious. Well, for the next three weeks, I had a letter to read every day, and hit set in the clubhouse reading it to morning practice half over. Cap didn't say nothing to him, because he was going so good. But I and Carrie wasted a lot of our time trying to get him to own up who the letters was from. Fine chanced. What are you reading? Carrie would say. A bill? No, I could say. Not exactly a bill. It's a letter from a fellow I used to go to school with. High school or college? I'd ask him. College, he'd say. What college? I'd say. Then he'd stall a while, and then he'd say, I didn't go to the college myself, but my friend went there. How did it happen? You didn't go? Carrie would ask him. Well, he'd say, there wasn't no colleges near where I lived. Didn't you live in Kansas City? I'd say to him. One time he'd say he did, and another time didn't. One time he says he lived in Michigan. Where at? says Carrie. Near Detroit, he says. Well, I says, Detroit's near Ann Arbor, and that's where they got the university. Yes, says I. They got it there now, but they didn't have it there then. I came pretty near to going to Syracuse, says I, only there wasn't no railroads running through there in them days. Where'd this friend of yours go to college, says Gary. I forget now, says I. Was it Carlisle, asked Terry. No, says Ike, his folks weren't very well off. That's what barred me from Smith, I says. I was going to tackle Cornell's, says Carrie, but the doctor told me I'd have hay fever if I didn't stay up north. Your friend writes long letters, I says. 
Yes, says I. He's telling me about a ball player. Where does he play? asked Carrie. Down in the Texas League, Fort Wayne, says I. It looks like a girl's writing, Carrie says. A girl wrote it, says Ike. That's my friend's sister writing for him. Uh, didn't they teach writing at this here college where he went, says Carrie. Sure, Ike says. They taught him writing, but he got his hand cut off in a railroad wreck. How long ago, I says. Right after he got out of college, says Ike. Well, I says, I should think he'd have learned to write with his left hand by this time. It was his left hand that was cut off, says Ike, and he was left-handed. You get a letter every day, says Carrie. They're all the same writing. Is he telling you about a different ball player every time he writes? No, says Ike. It's the same ball player. He just tells me what he does every day. From the size of the letters, they don't play nothing but double-headers down there, says Carrie. We figured that Ike spent most of his evenings answering the letters from his friend's sister, so we kept trying to date him up for shows and parties to see how he'd duck out of them. He was bugs over spaghetti, so we told him one day that there was going to be a big feed of it over to Joe's that night, and he was invited. How long will it last, he says. Well, we says, we're going right over there after the game and stay until they close up. I can't go, he says, unless they leave me come home at eight bales. Nothing doing, says Gary. Joe'd get sore. Well, I can't go then, says I. Well, why not, I asked him. Well, he says, my landlady locks up the house at eight and I left my key home. Ah, oh, you can come home and stay with me, says Gary. No, he says, I can't sleep in a strange bed. How do you get along when we're on the road, says I. I don't never sleep on the first night anywheres, he said. After that, I'm all right. You'll have time to chase home and get your key right after the game, I told him. The key ain't home, says I. I lent it to one of the other fellows, and he's went out of town and took it with him. Couldn't you borrow another key off the landlady? Carrie asked him. No, he said, that's the only one there is. Well, the day before we started east again, I came into the clubhouse all smiles. Your birthday? I asked him. No, he says. What do you feel so good about? I says. Got a letter from my old man, he says. My uncle's going to get well. Is that the one in Nebraska? says I. Not right in Nebraska, says I, near there. But afterward, we got the right dope from Cap. Dolly had blew in from Missouri and was going to make the trip with her sister. Part 5 Well, I want to alibi Carrie and I for what come off in Boston. If we'd have had any idea what we was doing, we'd never did it. There wasn't nobody outside of maybe... Ike and the dame that felt worse over it than I and Carrie. The first two days we didn't see nothing of Ike and her except out to the park. The rest of the time they was sightseeing over to Cambridge and down to Revere and out to Brookline and all the other places where the rubes go. But when we came into the beanery after the third game, Cap's wife called us over. If you want to see something pretty, she says, Look at the third finger on Sis's left hand. 
Well, of course, we know before we looked that it wasn't going to be no hangnail. Nobody was surprised when Dolly blew into the dining room with it, a rock that I had bought off Diamond Joe the first trip to New York. Only, of course, it had been set in a lady-sized ring instead of the automobile tire he had been wearing. Cap and his missus and Ike and Dolly ate supper together, only Ike didn't eat nothing but just sat there blushing and spilling things on the tablecloth. I heard him excusing himself for not having no appetite. He says he could never eat when he was close to the ocean. He'd forgot about them sixty-five oysters he had destroyed the first night of the trip before. He was going to take her to a show, so after supper he went upstairs to change his collar. She had to dollop, too, and of course Ike was through long before her. If you remember the hotel in Boston, there's a little parlor where the piano's at, and then there's another little parlor opening off of that. Well, when Ike came down, Smitty was playing a few chords, and I and Carrie was harmonizing. We'd seen Ike go up to the desk to leave his key, and we called him in. He tried to duck away, but we wouldn't stand for it. We asked him what he was all duded up for, and he says he was going to the theater. Going alone? says Carrie. No, he says, a friend of mine's going with me. And what do you say if we go along? says Carrie. I ain't only got two tickets, he says. Well, says Carrie, we can go down there with you and buy our own seats. Maybe we can all get together. No, no, says I, they ain't no more seats. They're all sold out. I'll bet we can buy some off in the scalpers, says Carrie. I wouldn't if I was you, said Ike. They say the show's rotten. Well, what are you going for, then? I asked. I didn't hear about it being rotten till I got the tickets, he says. Well, I says, you don't want to go. I'll buy the tickets from you. No, says Ike. I wouldn't want to cheat you. I'm stung, and I'll just have to stand for it. What are you going to do with the girl? Leave her here at the hotel, I says. What girl? says Ike. The girl you at supper with, I says. Oh, he says, we just happened to go into the dining room together, that's all. Cap wanted I should sit down with him. I noticed, says Carrie, that she happened to be wearing that rock you bought off in Diamond Joe. Yes, says Ike, I lent it to her for a while. Did you lend her the new ring that goes with it? I says. Oh, she had that already, says Ike. She lost the set out of it. I wouldn't trust no strange girl with a rock of mine, says Carrie. Oh, I guess she's all right, Ike says. Besides, I was tired of the stone. When a girl asks you for something, what are you going to do? He started out toward the desk, but we flagged him. Wait a minute, Carrie says. I got a bet with Sam here, and it's up to you to settle it. Well, says Ike, make it snappy. My friend will be here any minute. I bet, says Carrie, that you and the girl was engaged to be married. Oh, nothing to it, says Ike. Now look here, says Carrie. This is going to cost me real money if I lose. Cut out the alibi stuff and give it to us straight. Cap's wife just as good as told us you was roped. Ike blushed like a kid. Well, boys, he says, 
I may as well own up. You win, Carrie. Yet a boy, says Carrie. Congratulations. Got a swell girl, Ike, I says. She's a peach, says Smitty. Well, I guess she's okay, says Ike. I don't know much about girls. Didn't you ever run around with them, I says? Oh, yeah, plenty of them, says Ike. But I never seen none I'd fall for. That is, till you seen this one, says Carrie. Well, says Ike, this one's okay, but I wasn't thinking about getting married yet a while. Who done the asking? Her, says Carrie. Oh, no, says Ike, but sometimes a man don't know what he's getting into. Take a good-looking girl, and a man generally almost always does about what she wants him to do. They could no girl lasso me unless I want to be lassoed, says Smitty. Oh, I don't know, says Ike. When a fellow gets to feeling sorry for one of them, it's all off. Well, we left him to go after shaking hands all around, but he didn't take Dolly to no show that night. Sometime while he was talking, she'd came into that other parlor, and she'd stood there and heard us. I don't know how much she heard. But it was enough. Dolly and Cap's missus took the midnight train for New York, and from there Cap's wife sent her on her way back to Missouri. She left the ring and a note for Ike with the clerk. But we didn't ask Ike if the note was from his friend in Fort Wayne, Texas. Part 6 When we had come to Boston, Ike was hitting plane 397. When we got back home, he had fell off to pretty near nothing. He hadn't drove one out of the infield in any of them other eastern parks, and he didn't even give no excuse for it. To show you how bad he was, he struck out three times in Brooklyn one day, and never opened his trap when Cap asked him what was the matter. Before, if he had whiffed once in the game, he'd have wrote a book telling why. Well, we dropped him from first place to fifth in four weeks, and we was still going down. I and Carrie was about the only ones in the club that spoke to each other, and all as we did was remind ourselves of what a boner we had pulled. It's going to beat us out of the big money, says Carrie. Yes, I says, I don't want to knock my own ball club, but it sure looks like a one-man team, and when that one man's dauber's down, we couldn't trim our whiskers. We ought to knew better, says Carrie. Yes, I says, but why should a man pull an alibi for being engaged to such a bearcat as she was? He shouldn't, says Carrie, but I and you knowed he would, or else we'd never started talking to him about it. He wasn't no more ashamed of the girl than I am of a regular base hit, but he just can't come clean on no subject. Cap had the whole story, and I and Carrie was as popular with him as an umpire. What do you want me to do, Cap? Carrie would say to him before going up to hit. Use your own judgment, Cap told him. We want to lose another game. But finally, one night in Pittsburgh, Cap had a letter from his missus, and he come to us with it. You fellows, he says, is the one that put us on the bum, and if you're sorry, I think there's a chance for you to make good. The old lady's out to St. Joe, and she's been trying her hardest to fix things up. She explained that I don't mean nothing with his talk. 
I've wrote and explained that to Dolly, too. But the old lady says that Dolly says she can't believe it. But Dolly's still stuck on this baby, and she's a pining away just the same as Ike. And the old lady says she thinks if you two fellows would write to the girl and explain how you was always kidding with Ike and leading him on, and how the ball club was all shot to pieces since Ike quit hitting, and how he acted like he was going to kill himself, and this and that, she'd fall for it and maybe soften down. Dolly, the old lady says, would believe you before she'd believe I and the old lady, because she thinks it's her we're sorry for, not him. Well, I and Carrie was only too glad to try and see what we could do. But it wasn't no snap. We wrote about eight letters before we got one that looked good. Then we give it to the stenographer and had it typed out on a typewriter and both of us signed it. It was Carrie's idea that made the letter good. He stuck in something about the world's serious money that our wives wasn't going to spend unless she took a pity on the boy who was so shy and modest that he was afraid to come right out and say that he had asked such a beautiful and handsome girl to become his bride. That's probably what got her, or maybe she wouldn't have held out much longer anyway. It was four days after we sent the letter that Cap heard from his missus again. We was in Cincinnati. We've won, he says to us. The old lady says that Dolly says she'll give him another chance. But the old lady says it won't do no good for Ike to write a letter. He'll have to go out there. Send him tonight, says Carrie. I'll pay half his fare, says I. I'll pay the other half, says Carrie. No, says Cap, the club will pay his expenses. I'll send him scouting. Are you going to send him tonight? Sure, says Cap, but I'm going to break the news to him right now. It's time we win a ball game. So in the clubhouse, just before the game, Cap told him, and I certainly felt sorry for Rube Benton and the Red Ames that afternoon, and I and Carrie was standing in front of the hotel that night when Ike comes out with his suitcase. Sent home, I said to him. No, he says, I'm going scouting. Where to, I says, Fort Wayne? No, not exactly, he says. Well, says Carrie, have a good time. I ain't looking for no good time, says I. I says I was going scouting. Well then, says Carrie, I hope you see somebody you like. And you better have a drink before you go, I says. Well, says I, they claim it helps the cold. End of chapter 3, part 2, Alibi Ike